Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 150. And today I've got a lot of things that I'd like to share with you. In particular, I'd like to talk about bedtimes. And then I have a bit of family news and lots of other things like updates about my books and blogs. But first, I have somebody that I'd like to thank. When I went on Instagram this morning, there was a comment on one of my posts. It was written by Holly Blossoming. And Holly said, I've been listening to your great podcasts and I just love them. I'm so happy to be on this always unschooled journey with my kids. Thank you for all you do to empower this wonderful lifestyle. Yes, unschooling is a wonderful lifestyle, isn't it? And the reason I'm making this podcast is because of that comment. It's amazing how a little bit of feedback can encourage us to keep on going. I got home this morning after taking my daughter Gemma Rose to the gym and I thought, what am I going to do for the rest of the day? There's a lot of things I could do. But then I read that comment and I thought, yes, maybe it's time to sit down and make another podcast. So it's good to know that there are people on the other end listening to what I'm recording. And I thank you all for listening. And I thank Holly especially for that comment this morning. Now, what shall I start with first? Shall I go straight into the topic of bedtimes or share my news? Well, I think I'll go straight into the topic just in case there's anybody that has tuned in and is especially interested in the topic of unschooling bedtimes and doesn't want to wade through all my news first. The idea for this podcast came from a recent comment on my blog. I was wondering if you have any podcasts or blog posts about sleep and bedtimes. I found I don't really feel comfortable with trying to make my children go to bed at a certain time each night, as I really don't have a solid reason to do so. We don't usually have to go anywhere in the mornings or do much of anything at any specific time. So I just let them go to bed when they choose to. However, they're turning into extreme night owls. And I mean extreme. And occasionally I wonder if I should try a different approach. Is it okay that my children are staying up super late and then sleeping half the day? Does it matter? Should I worry about it? I usually tend to think it's okay. They will learn to go to sleep earlier if and when they actually have a need to do so. But sometimes I do get a little stressed about their sleep habits. I think mostly because they are so unusual. And if other people find out how they sleep, it can lead to some uncomfortable conversations. Well, I've never done a podcast just on bedtimes, but I have mentioned my children's bedtimes here and there in various podcasts and in various blog posts. But today, yes, maybe I'll gather all that information together and we can discuss this topic. Now, the first thing that struck me about the comment was the words, I really don't have a solid reason to do so, a solid reason to change her children's sleep habits. We don't usually have to go anywhere in the mornings or do much of anything at any specific time. 
So it seems to me that it doesn't really matter when children go to bed and when they get up. It's not necessarily better to get up early than it is to get up late, unless, of course, there's a good reason. Now, you might know that we are all early risers. But there's a good reason for that. It's not just because I knock on my kids' doors in the morning and say, hey, it's time to get up, because that's not what I do. They all get themselves up. But maybe I can share a few of the reasons that we do get up early. Well, at the moment, Gemma Rose and I are running before breakfast. We like running before we start our day because if we get on to other things, it's so much more difficult to stop and then go and get changed and get out the door. It's so much easier just to get out of bed, put on our running gear and head straight down to the park and the bush and get running before we've actually thought about it too much. Because if we think about it, we could come up with dozens of reasons why we don't want to go. But we get up early, we find ourselves running along the tracks, and before we know it, we're back home, we've exercised, we've got that out of the way for the day, and we can get on to all those other things that we want to do. Now that sounds like we don't enjoy running, and and that's not true. We do enjoy running. It's just the fact of getting out the door. Once we're down at the park and running through the bush, we enjoy ourselves. We especially like running first thing in the morning in summer because that's the coolest part of the day. Summer here in Australia can get very hot and nobody wants to go running when the sun's overhead beating down strongly. We're more inclined to say it's too hot today to go running. It wouldn't be sensible to exercise when it's so hot. We also enjoy the first light of the day. At that time of the day, we can go down to the bush And we might see some kangaroos or some lyrebirds or some other kind of animal. It is absolutely wonderful to see the sun rising over the gum trees. A great big orange ball in the sky that's rising higher and higher. Yes, while most other people are still in bed or they're inside getting ready to go to work or go to school... We're outside enjoying the early morning in the beautiful Australian bush. So we have good reasons for getting up. My other girls have good reasons for getting up too. Imogen and Sophie like to go to the gym first thing in the morning. They also go to work. My husband gets up early in the morning. Sometimes he heads off to the gym before he goes to work. Sometimes he just heads off to work. But all of us are usually up by 6, 6.30 in the morning, and sometimes quite a bit earlier than that. So we're not usually late risers, but occasionally we do sleep in. Well, I don't. I don't really enjoy sleeping in, but my children will sleep in. They'll have a catch-up day. They might have been busy at work or whatever, and they are a, a little bit more tired than usual, and... They just sleep in as long as they like. Have a catch-up day. I think that's really good. They listen to their bodies. They decide that today they don't have to go anywhere. They think that they will just stay in bed. It always does them good to have a day like that every now and then. But I'm talking about our routine today. A routine I share with my husband and my children who are all either teenagers or young adults. But what was bedtime like years ago when we first started out as parents? 
That's the story I'd like to share with you now. Well, when we had our first child, Felicity, I was determined that she would be in a good routine. I tried to fit her into my life instead of trying to arrange my life around her. And I was quite successful too. She slept in a cot in a room of her own. And I thought I was a perfect mother. I couldn't understand why other parents had children with sleeping problems, or that's what I viewed them as. Why didn't their children sleep all night like my child? Why didn't their children sleep in a cot in a room of their own? Yes, I was one of those annoying mothers who thought she was pretty good and didn't have much empathy for anybody else. Well, I had a fall, a big one. None of my other children fitted into my life as well as Felicity did. They refused to sleep in cots. They refused to cooperate with my timetable. And so I learnt a lot about babies and sleep patterns and attachment parenting because by that time I discovered attachment parenting, which was probably just as well. I discovered that parenting is all about seeing to the needs of our kids. Children aren't an inconvenience. They don't necessarily want to be put down in a cot away from parents, away from siblings. They have a need to be close to us. So I started sleeping with my babies and carrying them around. And they joined in with whatever we were doing as a family. And in the end, this proved to be easier for everyone. I didn't worry about having to get my babies into a routine. I didn't have to take them off to a cot and spend half an hour or more trying to pat them off to sleep and then creeping away and then coming back as soon as they woke up and trying again. Because I tried all that with my first child. It did work, but it took a lot of effort. But by the time I got to my other children, they didn't respond very well. And I thought, well, this is a waste of time. It was just so much easier to, to pick them up and to take them with me, to let them go to sleep on my lap while I was feeding them, let them sleep in the car when we were going out. They learned to sleep on the go. And as I said, that proved easier for the whole family. I had happy babies, happy toddlers, and because they were mobile and were used to being with the rest of the family, I didn't have to stay home when they were tired. They just learnt to sleep, as I said, on the go. They joined in with whatever we were doing. Yes, life is so much easier when a child's needs are met. Quite often I'd find myself sitting on a sofa, feeding a baby, and the baby would go to sleep and then I wouldn't want to get up because I'd wake the baby. So I learned just to stay there, take advantage of that quiet time. I'd read to my older children. My older children would bring me cups of tea. I'd have some reading time of my own. I just learned not to worry about it. And then when our baby woke up again, I could get up and get on with a few things. One of my babies, I think it was Imogen, it was quite easy to transfer her onto the sofa next to me. And then at least I had my arms free. I could get up, make my own cup of tea, come back, keep my eye on her. But mostly, I just sat there with my babies, 
when they were asleep. Unless, of course, they were asleep in a sling, and then I could do all kinds of things, except for bending over, which is quite awkward with a baby. When the evening came and my husband came home from work, I'd give him the baby, and then I would go to the bedroom, get myself changed into my pyjamas, come back, feed the baby. I'd spend the evening chatting with my husband, and then when it was time to go to bed, I would take the baby with me, just hop into bed, put the baby down next to me, and yeah, that was the end of our day. That was the baby's bedtime. That was my bedtime. Now I have a funny story about doing this, about getting into my PJs early in the evening, getting ready for bed early so that I could later transfer my baby to bed when I was ready to go to sleep myself. I wrote this story on one of my blogs quite a few years ago. It was part of the A to Z blogging challenge during April. I had to write 30 posts, one each day during the month of April. And this particular year, I based all my posts around the theme of clothes. So this story is about my pyjamas. It goes like this. Knock, knock. My husband Andy looked at me, and I looked at him. We both looked at the clock. Who could that be at our front door at eight o'clock on a weekday evening? Andy heaved himself out of his armchair and plodded off to find out. Hello! Our new friends, Tony and Ellie, appeared in the doorway of our living room. I hope you don't mind us dropping by. They smiled, their eyes meeting mine. Then their eyes wandered downwards, and the smiles disappeared. Oh, I hope we haven't caught you at an inconvenient moment. No, I reassured them as I adjusted the baby on my lap. Her head was buried under my pyjama top. I'm just feeding the baby and relaxing. Sit down, welcomed Andy as he scooped up all the baby bits and pieces to make room on the sofa for our unexpected guests. I'll make some coffee. Should I slip off to the bedroom and put on some day clothes? Or could I entertain our guests in my blue PJs and fluffy slippers? I remained where I was. Why wake the baby? So we spent the evening chatting and sipping coffee, with everyone trying very hard not to look at my night clothes. That was the last time Tony and Ellie ever came to visit us in the evening. Actually, it was the last time they ever came to visit. So what's the moral of this story? Never put on your pyjamas until it's time to go to bed, just in case unexpected guests knock at the door. Or never visit anyone in the evening without phoning ahead first. What do you think? Yes, I always wondered what Tony and Ellie thought, seeing me in my PJs feeding my baby. I think maybe they thought I was a bit weird. But yes, seeing to the needs of our children, that has to come first, doesn't it? And as I said earlier, when we see to the needs of our children, life is a lot easier. We just go with the flow. We don't worry about getting our kids into routines, which might suit us, but don't suit our children. And it doesn't really matter what other people think. Which brings me back to the blog comment. 
but sometimes they do get a little stressed about their sleep habits. I think mostly because they are so unusual. And if other people find out how they sleep, it can lead to some uncomfortable conversations. Yes, there's a lot of pressure from other parents to do things a certain way. And some people can frown upon us if we don't do things their way. You're getting your kids into bad habits. They'll never learn to sleep alone. You'll always have to put them to sleep. They won't learn to drift off on their own. Yes, people can be critical about the way we parent our children. I know that they are well-meaning. Maybe they're only trying to help. But sometimes their comments can give us doubts. Are we really doing the right thing for our children? Perhaps it would be better to be a little bit more firm, to show our children who's in control. There's certain things kids are going to have to do in the future. Surely it's better to get them into the habit of doing them as soon as possible. I guess we have to stop listening to other people just to be confident about what we're doing. Listen to our own children and do what we feel is best for them. Listen to our own instincts. So you've heard the end of the story. My children can get up early. They usually do. You've heard the beginning of the story. But how do we get from the beginning to the end? How did my children learn to sleep on their own? How do they learn to go to bed at a reasonable time so that they can get up on time when they have to? Well, our babies turned into toddlers, of course, and I kept feeding them. They still slept in our bed, but there did come a time when they were ready to move on. And instead of moving our children into beds of their own, they moved in with their older siblings. I can remember Gemma Rose sleeping with Imogen. She really loved snuggling up with her older sister. So I guess this was a stepping stone to independence. Eventually, Gemma Rose got a bed of her own. Bedtimes. I guess in the early days of parenting, I had this idea that kids ought to go to bed at a certain time in the evening. Perhaps I was more concerned about having time to myself after my children had got into bed. It would be my quiet time. Parenting is hard work. We're busy all day seeing to the needs of our kids. And it's no wonder that by the time we get to the evening, we just want to sit down and have that quiet time to ourselves. And to get it, maybe we think that we have to put our kids into bed. We've had enough. It's bedtime, so we read a bedtime story or two, our kids brush their teeth and we say, hey, it's bedtime, off you go. Maybe we go along, we tuck them in, and this works very well if they're tired, but if they're not, they get out of bed and they come back, and then we have to perform the routine all over again, and then we get a bit frustrated by the whole situation. I've had enough, I'm tired, just go to bed. I can see it from a parent's point of view because I've been there and done that. But I can also see it from a child's point of view. If they're not tired, why do they have to go to bed? Maybe the evening isn't the time for busy activities. Maybe it's quiet time for parents and children. All my little children were quite happy to snuggle up next to me on the sofa while I did have my quiet time. 
and if they fell asleep, I could pick them up and put them into bed. Later on, they took themselves to bed. As they got older and they could read, they were quite happy to go to bed and read books until they fell asleep. These days, I'm usually the first one into bed. By the time 8.30, 9 o'clock comes, I am ready to get into my pyjamas and get into bed, read a book, listen to a podcast and go to sleep. Starting the day about 5.30 in the morning, and usually that's after a not very good night's sleep because I don't sleep very well. Yes, that's about as long as I can keep going. I say goodnight to everybody and I go to bed. So I have no real idea about what time my children go to bed. But I do know they are always up when they need to be up. They have no trouble at all getting up and getting ready to do whatever they have to do. So I wonder, have I answered that question? I guess our children have to have a good reason for going to bed early. They've got to be tired. It doesn't matter if they sleep in late, if there's no reason for them to be up early. If kids do sleep in late, this doesn't mean they're going to sleep in late forever. If things change and they have to be up earlier than normal, they can change their sleep patterns. I do wonder, though, if there is another aspect to the situation. When our kids sleep late, then their timetables might not be in sync with the parents. For example, if I got up early and none of my children did, I might be waiting around for them to get up so that we can do things together. Or, if they stay up late at night, that might inconvenience me. If they're making noise, got the television on, that type of thing, I might think, I wish they'd go to bed because I can't sleep because it's noisy. So in our family, our sleep patterns are all synced together so that we can spend as much time together as a family. I suppose if some of us were late risers and some of us were early risers, we wouldn't see so much of each other. We wouldn't do so many things together. And maybe that's a thing to talk about together. Can we make some compromises? Are some people in the family being inconsiderate of others? All things that we can discuss. Will they learn to go to sleep earlier if and when they actually have a need to do so? Yes, I think they will. And I think I've already talked about that point. And then the last point it can lead to some uncomfortable conversations. Yes, sometimes we just have to put up with those uncomfortable conversations, listen to our children, do what we think is best. Because sometimes that is the biggest thing, isn't it? Doing what we feel is best for our families and putting up with everybody else's negative comments. It always feels better when people support us, when people approve of what we're doing. And sometimes this can lead us to doing things which are unsuitable for our kids, but are acceptable to our peer group. And I've got loads and loads of stories about things that I did just so that other parents would accept me, so that they would like me. Yes, I parented my children in ways which didn't suit my children, but did match the other parents around me, 
because I had this need to be liked. It caused me lots and lots of problems. Thankfully, in the end, I stopped worrying about all that. I guess we learn with experience. It's also good that our children are resilient. We could worry about the way we have parented our children, especially the older ones, the guinea pig children. But with love and forgiveness, yes, anything can be put right. So on to some news. Perhaps I can start by sharing some family news. This morning I went to the gym with Gemma Rose. Well actually she went to the gym and I went to the cafe underneath and had a cup of coffee and did a little bit of work while I was waiting for her. And I have been very surprised about Gemma Rose and her liking for the gym. I spoke about this in my last podcast, episode 149. Sophie, our 17-year-old, has always been interested in going to the gym. She loves lifting weights and using all the machines. She writes exercise programs for herself and for my husband Andy and sister Imogen. And you might know that she's actually doing a certificate in fitness at the moment. Not so long ago, she did, I think, 40 hours of work experience at the gym. She has a mentor at the gym and she's been learning all about how to write programs, how to run exercise classes, how to do all the things that fitness instructors and personal trainers need to know how to do. And she's been enjoying that immensely. And then one day, Sophie said to Gemma Rose, why don't you come to the gym with me? We could do a class together. And we were very surprised when Gemma Rose said, yes, she'd like to go to the gym. And they went together and did a HIT class. I think that's high-intensity interval training. Gemma Rose came out of the class, a big grin on her face, and I said, how did you enjoy that? Would you like to do it again? And she said, yes. So the girls bought a gym membership and they have been trying out all the different sorts of classes and this morning Gemma Rose went to a boxing class and as we were driving home today I said to Gemma Rose, is exercise something that you could see yourself doing in the future, making a career out of it maybe? And she said, yes mum, maybe. Not that she's making up her mind at the moment, but the idea, she's willing to consider it. So I guess the point here is that sometimes our children surprise us. But I made that point last week, so I want to share another thought, extend the idea a little more. Jimmerus might be quiet, but she's confident. And this made me think about how unschooling has affected my kids. Yes, unschooling has given them all a good education. Well, it still is. We're all continually learning. We know so much about all kinds of things. All my children who have wanted to go to university have had no problems whatsoever in doing the work. Yes, they can all study at tertiary level. But that's not all that unschooling has given them. As I said, Gemma Rose is confident. All my children are. They are happy with who they are. They're comfortable in their own skins. They don't feel They have to pretend to be like everybody else. 
They're also not afraid to try new things. They can talk to people. They find ways to do what they want to do. They have dreams, and I think that they're all going to be able to do whatever they want. They'll find a way, and this is what unschooling has done. It has given them the message that they are good people with talents. They should use them. It's okay to dream, and to pursue those dreams. Yes, they're not afraid to go out into the world, and do what they feel they should do. Do the things that are important. Do the things they're good at. Do the things that will make a difference in the end. So that's my thought that I want to share about Gemma Rose's gym adventure. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is my unschooling books. Are you getting fed up of hearing about them? Well, I'm looking forward to moving on. I must admit, I want to get them out of the way, move on to other projects. I especially would like to return and do some blogging. But first, I want to tell you the latest news about my books. Well, we have uploaded the files to Amazon for my first book, Curious Unschoolers. We did that oh, almost two weeks ago. The Kindle version is all ready to go. All I have to do is hit publish. We've ordered a proof copy of the print version. I was very excited when I did this. I got an email saying, "Thank you for your order. Follow this link and complete your order." So I followed the link, and it said, "Enter your address." I put in my address, and then I got this message back saying, "Amazon does not deliver proof copies of books outside the U.S." Oh my! That was such a disappointment. What was I going to do? I have a lot of friends in America, and I thought, well, perhaps one of my friends would help me. So I sent a message off to one of my friends, Vanessa, and I said, Vanessa, would you mind if I got the book sent to you? When it arrives, could you then post it on to me? And Vanessa very kindly said yes. She would be happy to do that. So as soon as the book arrived at Vanessa's home, she went off to the post office, and now the book is continuing. It's way here to Australia, and we are hoping that it will arrive any day now. It will be an exciting moment, I think, when we get that knock on the door, and there、yeah, the mailman will be there with my book, and we'll open it, and it will seem real—a real book. And then once we have checked through the book, if it's okay, we can then hit publish. So that's the update on Curious Unschoolers. I'm hoping that that book, in its two versions, print and Kindle, will be available by the end of the month. Now, my other book, Radical Unschooled Love, I finished writing it. I'm at the proofreading stage. I've compiled it as one document because I wrote it using Scrivener. So now I'm going through that document, looking for errors. Yes, just looking for things that I need to change. Adding a few commas, changing a word here or there, that type of thing, 
And then when that's done, I shall send the document to Imogen and she can format it into a Kindle book and into a print book. And Imogen said to me that it won't take her as long this time to do that because she's got the templates from Curious Unschoolers. She knows how I want the book to look. She knows the fonts to use. It shouldn't take her very long at all to get my manuscript into a form where we can upload the files to Amazon, order a print copy, do all the things that we have just done for Curious Unschoolers. So that's my books. So I'm just wondering, would you like to hear the start of Curious Unschoolers? Can I read out to you the first part? I've got something very important to share with you. I want to tell you about unschooling, what it is, and how it has changed our family's life, and why I think everybody should do it. I am passionate about unschooling. I hope my words are going to make you feel excited about it too. If you're already unschooling, maybe you'll relate to my stories. If you're feeling alone in a crowd of people taking the more conventional path, you might be thinking, are the critics right? Are we crazy because we unschool? Will you find it reassuring to hear that we're a bit crazy too? A good kind of crazy. Yes, we're not like everyone else, but that's okay. Actually, I think being different is a good way to be. And if you haven't yet set out on your unschooling adventure, I hope that when you arrive at the last page of this book, you will say, hey, I want my family to be unschoolers too. So what am I going to tell you? Will I say, unschool and everything will be wonderful? Will my stories convince you that my family is living a perfect life? No, my kids aren't perfect. I'm not a perfect mother. And life isn't one long and exciting and enjoyable adventure just because we unschool. Then why am I writing about unschooling if it isn't a perfect way of life? Am I just another voice in the crowd? Are we all shouting about how we found the best way to live when none of us has? Or is unschooling truly a way of life that is different from everything else? I believe unschooling is different because it's all about unconditional love. I want to show you how choosing to unschool will result in a love so powerful it will encourage not only our kids but us as well to become the people we are meant to be. Unconditional love. Surely unschooling is all about giving kids the freedom to learn what they like. How do we get from that to love? It's a long story, or maybe lots of shorter ones. Stories contained in two books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love. Curious Unschoolers focuses mainly on the educational side of unschooling, and Radical Unschool Love, which I will be publishing very soon, is about the parenting side of unschooling. The two books do overlap a bit, because in real life, parenting and education are woven closely together. When Radical Unschooling Love is available, I hope you'll read it. Together, my two books will give you the full unschooling picture. The Friend Who Comes to Tea 
I open my laptop and plug in my mic. After hitting the record button, I say, "Hi, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast." Soon, I'm pondering ideas and thoughts as I share my family's stories. And although I might look like I'm all alone speaking to myself, I'm not. I'm chatting to my listeners who will soon be tuning in to my latest unschooling episode. My voice travels all around the world while I stay at home in Australia. Isn't that a fascinating thought? And in this way, I'm with people as they run, walk, fold washing, sweep floors, knit, weave, and drive along in their cars. And I'm also in kitchens, at the table maybe, with tea and biscuits. I'm the friend who comes to tea and chats about unschooling. Sue Elvis comes to my house for tea. Also, I imagine every time I listen to her podcast. And I feel honoured to be invited in and welcomed as a friend. Of course, that's podcasting, and this is a book. And although the situation is different, I'd still like to speak to you as a friend. As you read these pages, perhaps you can imagine us sitting around your kitchen table, mugs in our hands, chatting about unschooling together. I'm going to share my family and our experiences. We'll ponder ideas and thoughts. Our conversation will go deep and wide. It'll be honest and real, and it'll be flavored with love and gentleness. I hope that you're going to get excited about the possibilities. I want my words to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to set out on an unschooling adventure of your own. And the quoted words come from a podcast. Review by Samantha. So that's the first couple of sections of my book, Curious Unschoolers. Perhaps I'll share more bits and pieces from my book in future podcast episodes. Now, as I briefly said, I want to get back to blogging. Yeah, do something else other than write my unschooling books. Not that I haven't enjoyed writing them, but it has been a big project that's taken a long time. I feel like doing something different, so I did write a blog post the other day. Actually, I've written two this week, which is rather unusual. I wrote the first one about curious unschoolers, just catching everybody up with where I am with the book. I spent some time on my blog the other day, just looking at the blog design, messing around with widgets, changing the layout a little bit. Yes, I hadn't done that for a long time, and I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, doing something different. I've got a few ideas in the pipeline about doing a few different things in the future, and they're all to do with unschooling. What I'm going to do when I no longer have books to write, but I'm going to save that, share that news in another podcast because I think that time is getting on. What I want to do before I finish, though, is share a couple of podcast reviews. Yes, sometimes I remember to ask everybody for a review for this podcast, but mostly I forget. But reviews are really good. Having feedback encourages me to keep on recording. As I said right at the start of this episode, when I read that comment on Instagram this morning, I smiled and I thought, "Yes, 
I could make another episode today. That's what I'm going to do. Somebody would like to listen. Yeah, it's worth sitting down and thinking of something to say. So if you would like to write a review, please do. It will be appreciated enormously, not just for feedback for myself, but every review helps spread the word about unschooling. More people might find my podcast, might hear about unschooling. Yes, more people might be encouraged to give unschooling a go. So anyway, two new reviews. The first review is titled, This Podcast is a Gem. And it was written by Becca King from the USA. And she gave my podcast five stars, which is really lovely. I've been listening to this podcast for about two years now. I haven't finished them all yet, but I plan to. As for the ones I've heard, I'm never disappointed. Sue does an amazing job explaining thoroughly what radical unschooling is all about. I never finish a podcast confused, but I understand better with every episode. It's always a pleasure hearing their family stories and hearing her children's views on unschooling. I look forward to going back and catching up on all of Sue's episodes. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for that wonderful review, for taking the time to write those kind words. And the other review is titled Current Favorite Podcast. And also, it is a five-star review, and it was written by Marie-Louise2710 from the USA. Sue's thorough and thoughtful breakdown of each topic, as well as her updates on her family, leave me feeling like I just sat down for coffee with a much wiser friend. One can't help but enjoy her honest, eloquent style. It's evident in both her solo and interview episodes. Any homeschooling parent will be sure to come away with a new perspective, whether unschooling or not. Thank you, Sue. And thank you for the kind review. Yes, sitting down together with coffee. Wouldn't that be wonderful to do? Instead of sitting here talking to myself, wouldn't it be nice to meet up and talk face to face? Well, I have an idea about that. And that's one of those ideas I want to share in a future episode. So I think that's all I want to share today, though. As usual, I will put some show notes on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. You might also find some new blog posts there in the coming weeks if I can decide what to write about. I'm sort of out of the habit of writing blog posts. I sat down yesterday to try and write one, and oh my, every topic I tried to write about came to nothing. My words didn't go anywhere at all, but I'm going to persevere. Maybe it's just a matter of getting back into the swing of things. I know I want to write. It's just, what do I write about? You can also find me on Instagram at Stories of an Unsqualling Family. And I'm also on YouTube at Sue Elvis. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode, episode 150. And until next time, don't forget to... Trust, respect, and love unconditionally.